Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. Like all of you listening to this podcast right at this very second, I am totally obsessed with food. We live in an age of burger buns made out of ramen noodles, donuts hooking up with everything from croissants to waffles to vodka, and bacon wrapped around everything you can possibly wrap bacon around. I'm Elisa Benson, Cosmopolitan.com happy hour podcast host. I love to eat. Um, But today we're talking about what can happen if you can't eat. So I am joined by Tess Komen, who's an associate editor at Cosmopolitan.com and also a great friend of mine who just wrote a really amazing essay for Cosmo that we're talking about today about living with Crohn's disease and how that has affected her whole life pretty seriously. Hi, Tess. Hi. Was that like the saddest intro ever? Are you kidding? That was like my inner monologue like every morning. But no, no, not at all. Um, Well, you have been living, we're kind of like diving right into this like super serious topic, but I had emailed you a few weekends ago after your story went up and I was just like, I was so moved by everything that you talked about in this really powerful essay just about how you are always, like all millennials, have been a person that not only is obsessed with eating, but is obsessed with Instagramming your food. Yes. Like there, I remember seeing pictures of you and your boyfriend, now fiance, out at like barbecue festivals we love it you love it but this year this disease that you've been struggling with for pretty much your whole life kind of took a more serious turn um and that's what you wrote your essay about so can you can you fill readers in who have no idea with what Crohn's disease is with kind of the one sentence summary of what it is and how it's affected your life okay one sentence the one sentence (laughs) summary um Crohn's disease is oh god um it's basically like the – it's a disease that affects anywhere from your – we're going to get really real, right? Right. We're anywhere, getting so real. Yeah, from your mouth to your rectum, your entire digestive tract. Um, and in most cases, it's a stricturing disease, which means your bowel narrows, which makes it very difficult to eat food sometimes. Or um, in some cases, it forms fistulas, which are little tunnels that kind of um, – push things that are supposed to stay in your body, outside of your body, pretty gross. Um, most people's manifesta- manifestations of Crohn's um, are just like, just involves a lot of pooping, just yeah. a lot of pain, like pooping. It's a chronic illness, so, um, and most people are like immunosuppressed, so they catch a lot of things easily. Um, but yeah, you don't know by looking at someone that they have Crohn's disease. Um, but basically for me, around New Year's, I found myself um, in pain when I started eating, which is something that's happened to me a bunch of times before. And so I kind of knew in my heart that I had another stricture forming. Um, And instead of diving into a surgery, my doctor 
thought it was maybe best because we've had so many surgeries before, oops, um, to give my bowel a rest and do an all-liquid diet. And so, Tess, do you think it's fair to say that you're kind of allergic to food? Yeah, in a way. I don't know if that's like the fair or right way to say it, but basically your body, you know, this is one of the things you say sort of plainly in your essay is that your body just doesn't respond to food the way a lot of other people's bodies respond to it. Yeah, it's full on rejecting food right now. Your body hates food. It hates it. Which sucks because you love food. I love food. (laughs) (laughs) Like on the way here when we were walking, I walked by some place that had like I don't know. It just smelled like garlic pasta, and it smelled so good. And that probably probably wasn't even real food. It was probably just, like, garlic smell. I know, I know. But it was, like, 1030 in the morning. I'm like, okay, great. I want garlic pasta. Right. Um, But, yeah, no, it's, like, not only, like, not responding to it. It's just, like, full-on rejecting it. Like, it does not want food right now. Right. And this is something you've been dealing with for pretty much your whole adult life basically yeah I was diagnosed when I was seven okay so really your whole life life yeah um and it there have just been like phases in my life where I've been totally fine and then phases where I totally have not been um but it hit pretty bad in college like my sophomore and junior year were pretty much like lost to Crohn's disease and um I felt really, really, really lucky after I graduated to be really healthy for my first year at Cosmo. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of came crashing back down again. Um, and then I was again, again for a while, and now we're dealing with this. So, And I know one of the things you mentioned in your essay, because you have been dealing with this for a long time, is that you, you know, and you kind of hinted on this just now, you had had surgeries to sort of, and it almost seemed like you were in this pattern with your doctor of when things got bad, you would go in for a surgery, you would come out and things would be a little bit better. And then this time around, your doctor was sort of like, we've already tried that, we need to go to plan B. And that was where this liquid diet came out. Right. Which I think is why I'm maybe having a harder time dealing with this than I normally do. Sure. Um... Just because you're right, we've totally gotten into a routine where we know what fixes my particular problem, and that's going in, taking the bad pieces out, and, um, you know, sewing me back up, and then I am free to eat again, and I have a good patch, and my medications normally work for a bit. Um, So just to hear that we had to start thinking about longer-term things because, you know, there's only so much of your intestines that you can take out before you can't function like a normal person right um it definitely gave me pause right and so what did your doctor I mean I think one thing that one thing that I sort of took away from this is that like you are living with a sort of serious form of this and so it sounded almost like the way you explained in your essay that your doctor was saying like we need to try this but it's almost like he doesn't really know Yeah. Like, you're a bit of a guinea pig. Is that fair to say? I'm totally a guinea pig. Um, You know, I actually, I'm still dealing with the remnants of last year's Crohn's debacle, which um, was like a pulmonary manifestation. um, I don't know what that means. It's my heart and my lungs kind of freaked out, and we didn't know why. And that's very unusual for Crohn's, and I ended up doing a lung biopsy, which is why I was gone from work so long. That, right. like, knocked me on my ass and was very scary because I'd always been used to dealing with bowel stuff, and then it was my heart was weird and my lungs were weird, and that's really scary. Right. Because, you know, I still think I'm going to need a surgery. I think we're just, you know, we're putting off the inevitable. But um, 
you know, you can get rid of your intestines. You can't really get rid of your heart and your lungs. So that freaked me out a bit. But it ended up being that the results of the biopsy were that um, it was either, like, an adverse reaction to one of the medications I was on for the Crohn's disease, which, you know, like, you know, like, when you hear those commercials that are always, like, in rare cases, this. Like, right. one of mine was, like, in rare cases, pulmonary hypertension, which right. is, like, for old people who are so, like, right. ready to be at that stage in right. their lives. I don't know. That was a terrible thing to say. Um, but, or it was, like, Crohn's of the lung. And it was just, like, the way the biopsy results came back, we'll never really know for sure. Um, so... Whatever that ended up being, I'm not fully over it. Like, my heart my lungs right. are still not normal. Like, even as I'm here, like, talking a lot and talking really fast to get out of breath. Right. Um, so there was a reason I said that in response to your question. Right, your right. Question? I think I was saying, and this was probably, like, an unnecessarily harsh way to phrase it, but you're a bit of a guinea pig. Like, you're sort yes. of figuring out, you're, you know, you and your doctor are obviously, like, working through this together, but, like, you know, it seemed a little like this liquid diet that you've been on for how long now? Two months? Saturday was eight weeks. Yeah. Saturday was eight weeks. Yeah, it's a bit um, exploratory. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk to you about that because that was sort of the framework for your essay. The title was, um, what was the title? I have it like right in front of me somewhere. <laughs> it was like, here's what I learned from not eating food for a month. Right. Here's and what I learned from not eating. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. There were just plenty of people who commented and were like, I thought this was a juice cleanse. And like, they were not happy about it. And I right. was like, okay, it was slightly misleading. But, you know, <laughs> but but in the But also not misleading <laughs> yeah, at all because exactly. that's literally what. So you are basically drinking like Pedialyte, right? Ugh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about what that tastes like? It, I feel like I'm being dramatic. It's really not terrible. Right. It tastes like if a vanilla milkshake were like sitting out for a bit. Okay. It's just like, <laughs> like it's a like, like a warm crusty yes. vanilla milkshake. Like I try and make it cold. Like I shake it up because it says to. But like, well, um, it's just the consistency. Yeah. Is worse than anything else. Yeah. Um, Are there different flavors of it, or you're drinking the same thing? I think there are, but they didn't really give me the option. Right. It was like we were fighting with insurance to get it covered in the first place. Right. It was just like, give me whatever there is. Right. So they were like just the crusty vanilla milkshake flavor. Right. <laughs> right. And I'm also drinking, I think there's an adult version, but I'm drinking the kids one for some reason. Okay. Like that's also what just magically appeared on my doorstep. Right. So like old vanilla milkshakes for kids. <laughs> I like how, right, I like how you're just like, it appeared on my doorstep. I'm not asking questions. It literally was just there. Like yeah. I can't, it wasn't like inside my apartment or downstairs. Yeah. Like it was at my door. At your door. <laughs> it's like, all right, we're With doing your this. name on it. Yeah. Um, so this is pretty much what you're drinking. Are you on a regimen where you're drinking it like three times a day, like for meals or just whenever you're hungry or whenever you have to like force yourself to eat it? Yeah. It's much easier during a work day. Right. Because I have one before work and then like I can kind of divide the day up by like my mid-morning one, my lunch one, and my end-of-day one, and right. then I come home and I'll drink more. Right. Um, I'm supposed to be drinking, like, five to six of them, like, ideally six, but, like... That's so many. I can't think of a day where I ever drank six. Just too much. Right. Um, but, yeah. And then, like, on the weekends, because my schedule is, like, not as rigorous, like, I'll have, like, Three. Three. <laughs> but, like, I'm just not as hungry, so it's right. fine. Because you're just, like, in bed watching Netflix all exactly. day, as we all do, especially this weekend because it was gross and rainy. Exactly. Um, so one of the things you wrote about in your essay, which I think was such a brave piece and why I wanted to bring in bring you in here to talk about this, is just sort of, you know, 
you are doing this thing that is obviously hard for you, but you're doing it for your health and you're doing it, you know, because you have to and you you are doing it because your body hates food, even though you love it. But one of the things that you've had to deal with is still having a social life and still being engaged and, you know, all these things that are kind of going on. So I know a few of the things that you talk about in your essay are like what it has been like at work when coworkers are sort of like, let's go to lunch. (laughs) Do you want to talk about that a little bit and sort of, you know, one adjustment is giving up food that you love and sort of switching to this all liquid diet and then I think another adjustment that goes along with that that's really important is kind of like how that really changes your social life and your work life yeah um and I think again that's probably why I'm having a harder time dealing with this because I did do the same diet in high school like it was a different brand Mm -hmm. and it was for whatever reason I don't know but um I did it again for eight weeks and for some reason it was so much easier I think because I couldn't drive like my mom was there to take care of me my friends were much more like centralized um I don't remember having nearly as hard of a time doing it right well also I feel like in high school generally like maybe you're eating lunch at school maybe you're going out with your friends for pizza after the whatever but like it's different than like your adult life where you're eating all of your meals right like on your own yeah um and I think yeah I was also like eating like mac and cheese after school like now that I live in New York City. Right. I've like I have such an appreciation for all the food around me and like I've been living here almost two years now and I still like have only made a dent in like the restaurants in like three blocks around me. Like there's so much there's to so eat. many. They say you can eat at a different one every day until you die and never run out. Never yeah. <laughs> and never like, repeat that would one. be the goal. Like right. I just love to and like like I'm pretty good about like saving my money and like but like the money I don't save is like all food related and that's like a choice that I have made it's right. just like I love to go out and eat um yeah I think I had no idea how much my social life revolved around food and drinking and like when I say drinking I mean like meeting up for like happy hour like a glass of wine like I don't mean like raging on the weekends right but like also but raging on the weekends right yeah like <laughs> so I don't know it's also um you know this diet has taken a toll on my energy like I come home from work and I'm like no like I'm just dead um and you know I kind of have to budget out that energy and it's like now if I make plans it's like going to and you know it's like it's limited my social circle yet again because I have like seven people I like really really love but like 15 people I hang out with like I'm not gonna hang out with the people who don't know as much about what's happening at this point like, I've just been kind of putting people off with, like, awkward texts. And, like, I'm so busy. You're sick. And I'm so sorry. Like, love you. I'll see you soon. Right. Um, and is that because you feel, you know, why is that? Is it just because you don't want to do what I'm forcing you to do right now on this podcast, <laughs> which is, like, talk about this with everybody? Or is it about just feeling like it's really hard to have these relationships when you feel like you can't do the normal, like, let's grab a drink after work thing? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I feel like a burden. Yeah. Like, in order to ask people to be so – like, it's not – I call it being social, but it's not really being social for people. It's, like, sitting at my apartment or their apartment and, like, just talking, which is so great. And, like, that's what I do with my best friends to begin with. Right. But, like, I'm not going to ask someone I don't know to not – have fun on my account do you know what I mean right like you would feel bad being like hey I have this idea instead of going to happy hour (laughs) what if we 
don't right. eat or drink anything. Especially if I don't know them that well. Yeah. Like, and sometimes you just look forward to like getting a drink with someone you like don't know that well, but like want to hang out with. Like, right. there are plenty of people at work who like I love to hang out with, but right. like not at our apartments. That's right. weird. Like, right. we would just of course just like grab a drink after work, and so like, you know, that with the limited energy. Um, I don't know. I just have so much FOMO to begin with. Yeah. Like, who doesn't? That's not just me. That's everyone. Yeah, of course. So, you know, all those things. Yeah. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. But I thought one of the most sort of like heartwarming parts of your essay was when you talked about, you know, not wanting to tell your friends, which is completely understandable but that basically your best friends when you finally did tell them were sort of like bitch why didn't you yeah. tell me sooner <laughs> yeah yeah they they know me now like I kind of have these patterns like like I call it like the great debacle of whatever year like like when my debacle starts to happen I like hide in a hole for a little bit and I like go to work and I come home but like I'll post totally normally on social media but I won't reach out to people which is a terrible thing I'm trying to get better about like oh we all do that yeah yeah not just when I'm sick just like as a human being who right should, like you know like have more human interaction with people she loves um yeah so I just kind of start to hide and they'll be like hey what's up and I'm like nothing you like I yeah. just like don't like I just you know I hide in a hole um and so I think they start to notice that pattern they're like all right like which doctors have you seen recently? Right. Like, what, you they know, can tell. The yeah. They can tell. Um, and, yeah, and it's just, like, when I physically, like, can't, like, when I keep turning down invitations of things, like, I would love to do, they're like, all right, why? Right. So, you know, and, again, like, most of my friends by this point are, like, my best high school friends, my best college friends. Like, they all know. But, um, Yeah. We were just at a wedding together a few weeks ago yes. for our dear friend and coworker Kathleen, who got married in New Orleans, which is one of the things that you write about in your essay. And basically, being able, you know, being in this city, New Orleans, which is so known for food, yeah. and feeling like you couldn't participate in that. And then, of course, being at the wedding dinner and feeling like you mentioned that you like sneak a few bites of food. So, what does that mean exactly? Like, you know, you aren't supposed to be eating. Like, right. when you you know after the wedding like even though you were just like sneak like taking a few bites of things like does that make you sick yeah 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 so it's like every time you do it is yeah you pay for it well exactly and I guess what's a little frustrating why I say I know I'm gonna have surgery down the line is because like even when I'm drinking these disgusting shakes like I'm still having cramps yeah they're not nearly as bad as they were before and like compared to when I do eat food they're not nearly as bad as that but they're still there right which to me means that there is like there's a piece that's too far gone even right. with this bell rest that we're doing that's gonna have to come out but um and my doctor's been very upfront about that the whole time it's right like we're just trying this because we really want to put off the surgery but we might have to have the surgery um yeah anyway like Michael, like my fiance and I had been to New Orleans like voluntarily on vacation just like a year ago because like we love food so much yeah like like, we just love, like, like the idea of, like, walking around and drinking is so much fun. The weather is beautiful. And just, like, we Yeah, there, for people that don't know, there aren't open container laws in New Orleans. You <laughs> Like, when you go to the bars. And, like, I had the best time when we were just there. And so I just learned all this, which is why I'm obsessed with talking about it. <laughs> but um, 
yeah when you leave bars they like give you a go cup like you can take a drink to go and so it's just this like happy joy-filled place where people like wander around the streets eating beignets and drinking yes it's lovely it's one of my favorite places in the whole world now and I was you know I hated that I was dreading going and of course like it ended up being totally fine but like to be in a city that's so known for its food that I specifically traveled to to eat at right. the last time. And, like, when we left New Orleans, we were like, okay, next time we go back, we'll have to go to these restaurants that we didn't, like, hit up this time around. Right. Um, you know, I almost backed out. I right. almost did. But I, you know, I wasn't going to do that. Right. Um, and... That was the first wedding I'd ever been to, totally sober. Right. And, like, of course, it was, like, a great time. Like, it wasn't. Right. I didn't sit there being a buzzkill. Right. Not at all. Very proud of myself. I had moments in the hotel room before we went down. But, um, no, I mean, it was, it ended up being great. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that is, again, like, and, you know, obviously, like, (laughs) A lot of women don't drink when they're pregnant or like, you know, so that's a obviously a thing that happens. But I think that's really different than sort of feeling like there's something communal about being pregnant. You know, a lot of women have gone through that or experienced it. And I feel like there's a bit of a sense that what you're going through is harder for other people to understand and harder to talk about. Which is why I feel like it was so amazing that you wrote this really brave essay and kind of talking about all these things we're talking about now. What kind of response have you had since it came out? Uh, I've heard from so many. Like, that made everything worth it. Yeah. Like, I had no hesitation in writing the essay. Like, I'm pretty open with people about talking about Crohn's. Just, like, when it does get more complicated and you're like, give me the one-sentence summary. I'm like, right. oh, God. Right. <laughs> um, that was a really hard question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but um, I heard from hundreds of people. Yeah. And it started getting picked up in, like, all these other, like, smaller um, IBD, like, irritable bowel disease organizations. And um, I used to be really involved with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. Like, they reached out to me. I'm actually doing a Twitter chat with them tonight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, which is exciting. Um, it won't be tonight after the podcast comes out, but – I'm very excited about that. Um, just this morning, I got an email from a fellow 24, like the subject line was like, fellow 24 year old in New York City on an all Peptamin diet. And oh my like, gosh. What? You have uh, to meet her. I, it's a him. But it's he, a him. But he was like, um, I just had to reach out to you because it was too weird. Um, I know I, I heard from hundreds of people and I'm still going to my emails because I want to answer every single one of them. And, just like through Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and again like on email like and that makes me feel so much saner to talk to right people who actually really get it right um I think talking to people that get it and I just imagine like you know you were diagnosed when you were seven like I imagine other girls out there who are seven or ten or like in middle school and dealing with this for the first time and like feeling completely overwhelmed as I'm sure you did and still do and like finding your essay and sort of saying like oh my gosh here's an editor at Cosmo who's engaged that has this amazing life and these amazing friends and has like learned to deal with this I just think that's so amazing like not only for the people that have reached out to you already but the people who are going to find this at a point in time when they like really really need it yeah writing the essay felt like 
a relief, like it was something I wanted to do, but hearing from people in exactly those circumstances, like, made me weep. Right. Like, I spent a lot of time just, like, going through stories and, like, your email, like, they'd all made me cry, like, happy tears. Like, it was, yeah. it was really, really, like, special. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting it. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's nice to hear from people who have the same insecurities and fears and... You know, one of the things I really grapple with is not looking as sick as I am. And mm-hmm. of course I don't want to look sick. Like, right. whoever wants to look sick. But, um, you know, sometimes just at work or in life, I just want to shake people and be like, you have no idea what's happening inside my body. And right. just to, to hear that exact sentiment from, again, hundreds of people right, was like... Cathartic. Well, right. Cathartic. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No. But I was also going to say, like, of course, in the office, you have to deal with, like, you know, buttheads like me. Who... No. <laughs> well, one of the things that Tess writes about in her essay is this, like, moment where we got wine and Oreos, like, some kind of, like, cinnamon bun Oreos sent to the office. And I was like, I do social media for Cosmo. So I was like, Tess, hold all these wine and Oreos so we can take a picture for Instagram. I feel like this is so on brand for you. And you basically write about in your essay about how that was a horrible moment because it's not your brand anymore. I think you actually used the words, I took the photo and died a little inside. (laughs) Tess, I'm so sorry. No, I was being a little dramatic. (laughs) But it was fine. I just, I wanted to eat the Oreos and drink the wine. That's all it was. And you couldn't. But, like, I think that's kind of exactly what you're saying, that, like, you know, not that this is necessarily something you would want to be talking about 24 hours a day nonstop, but at the same time, like... You know, you look as lovely as ever. You. you know, you're showing up at work. You know, you're doing your job. Like, but, you know, dealing with this really serious thing on the side. Like, I, not to trivialize what you're going through, but just to say this in a way that's like relatable. If I like skip one meal, I feel like I'm going to like pass <laughs> out from hunger and starvation. You know, and I think that's very real. Like, I think a lot of people feel that way. And you're sort of doing this every single day. And I think. Like you said, not that you would want to look sick, but I think the fact that people have no idea must be just another layer of what makes this challenging. Yeah. But again, it, like, it does make me feel, like, very hashtag blessed to, like, you know, when I do explain it to people, like, everyone at work has been amazing, and everyone I do end up talking to has been so good. And, like, my poor mother probably wants to strangle me by this point, but, like, she's been incredible. And, like, you know, just it does make you realize what kind of a support system you really have mm-hmm. that doesn't just go for Crohn's disease like I've heard from people who have just other invisible illnesses I've heard them called um yeah and, oh sorry I was just gonna say and like before you wrote this essay where you were really talking about like this specific diagnosis and not eating and being on this all-liquid diet you'd written a little bit about Crohn's before for Cosmo I think you did a piece like last year or something like that but that wasn't a term that I really knew but invisible illnesses I know has been something that's been really important for you to talk about in our coverage at Cosmo where we aim to cover all topics that millennial women sort of deal with and I think that's a really important one and we're lucky to have you sharing your perspective (laughs) and like being willing to talk about it yeah no I mean my my job is to write about viral news and what I've found really blows up on the internet are like empowering stories from people who you know have things going on that people can't see um and so I feel like every other day I'm writing about like a woman like a 20-something woman or man who um you know is posting photos of like her scars or 
you know, someone said something to her that made her feel a certain way, and it's because, like, she has something going on that you can't see from the outside. Mm -hmm. And that really resonates with our readers. So, you know, it's not just me. It's a lot of people. Right, right. And I thought that was another thing that was so great about your piece that you wrote, and everyone should check it out on Cosmopolitan.com. Um, Here's what I learned from not eating food for a month by Tess Komen. But I think that's another thing that was so amazing about this essay that you wrote is that I think you really made it feel very universal, even though it's obviously something that most people, you know, I've never been on an all-liquid diet, and that's not something that most people have experienced. But really that idea, I think, of dealing with something that people can't see from the outside in some ways is very universal. Yeah. For those of us who like to complain a lot about our lesser problems. No, no. I mean, and that, like, that's the other takeaways. Like, and I think I actually said it in the essays that just like everyone has her shit. Yeah. Like, you can't, like, you know, I'm totally guilty of when someone tells me that, like, she has a cold or allergies or, like, her period cramps are really bad. I'm like, oh, I can't with you. Yeah. But, like, <clears throat> excuse me it's all relative right like someone's it's who am I to judge like how terrible your period cramps are like right. everybody has something right it's not just me like it's not just you it's like everybody has something so. right I complain about my period cramps all the time <laughs> I'm really not trying to single you out <laughs> no it's I know. not you I'm I know, thinking of but I think that's that was why I really wanted to do this and bring you on here to talk about this thing that I'm sure is really difficult to talk about but I think you're so brave for talking about because it is true and it's good to have a reminder that even cool Cosmo babes <laughs> like Tess are dealing with things on the inside that you can't see. Um, finally, I did want to ask, was there anybody that when you were younger and you were dealing with this, did you find anybody that was like you now? Like, did you read essays from people who were like in their 20s talking about dealing with this? Oh, God, that's such a good question. I mean, the internet was, like, just starting to become a thing. Right, Like, I was diagnosed in 98. Right. So I wasn't, like, reading stuff. Like, my parents were more, like, frantically reading things. Right. But probably, like, in books. Oh, God. TVT. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there was, like, I remember when I was in high school, there was, like, this rumor that, like, Deborah Messing was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. I don't know if that's true. I don't want to, I don't know. Oh. But, um... There was this singer who had one really big song and, like, has never been heard from again. Like, her name was Anastasia. Yeah. And the song was called, like, One More Time or something. I'll play it for you later. Yeah. I'm like, can you sing it? <laughs> nope. But, <laughs> sure um, can. but um, she has Crohn's, and on her album cover, you can see her scar from her ball resection. I remember, like, finding that out or reading about it or someone told her, like, the Crohn's Colitis Foundation, like, did right. something with her. And, like, the fact that her scar was so visible on her album, like, I listened to that song on repeat for a million years because it's also just, like, it's, like, a really, like, feel-good, like, girl power ballad. Right, right. Um, But not – oh, God, I don't know. I, I have found much – a lot more people, like, now that I'm grown going through the same thing. Right, and now that you're talking about it publicly, it makes it easier for people to find you. Yeah. I mean, when I was in school and really, really, really sick, I must have been talking to, like, the student activities director or something, and she told me about a girl who was a year older than me in a different sorority who I'm still friends with to this day who looks like the most beautiful Barbie doll in the entire world, and she's, like, this, like just like lovely person and just so gorgeous and like she 
had a colostomy bag and I had no idea and like we ended up connecting because we were both really really sick and no one knew and um she she's awesome she helped me with a lot that's amazing yeah and now that is exactly what you're doing for worldwide just by talking about it i think it's so important yeah well tess thank you so much for sharing your story <laughs> on cosmo.com everyone needs to check it out and also on the cosmopolitan.com happy hour podcast um tess where is the best place for people that want to get in touch with you to find you on um, twitter yeah i'm always tweeting you're always tweeting i'm always tweeting you've had to get some new material yeah <laughs> I haven't tweeted about food in so long. Yeah, I just tweet about like Netflix and being tired. Right. Tess was really on the wine and cheese beat for a really long time. The wine and cheese Twitter joke beat. But she's hilarious on Twitter. Follow her. What are you? At Tessie the mess with underscores. With underscores, yeah. At Tessie underscore the underscore mess. (laughs) Thanks. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Follow (laughs) Tess on Twitter. Um, She is a fabulous human and such, as I've said now 10 million times, that it's probably starting to not sound genuine. But it's so (laughs) genuine. A very, very brave human for sharing her story. So um, please look for it. Here's what I learned from not eating food for a month. And thank you guys all for listening to another episode of the Cosmopolitan.com Happy Hour Podcast. I'm Elisa Benson. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Elisa Benson. Um, Actually, I know I'm forgetting your name, but somebody, I was just in Florida over the weekend and somebody commented, one of our listeners from Florida was like, I live here too. So shout out to the Florida listeners. Thank you for listening. Um, And please subscribe and share the podcast and like it and tune in next week. See you guys then. is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.